Today's Bible reading is coming from Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, to the women, sorry, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Morning, everyone. Happy Easter. Um, I've brought some Easter eggs. Thanks for that. I've brought some Easter eggs with me. Happy Easter to you at home too, especially to a, our family in Sydney who have tuned in this morning. That's nice, isn't it? We couldn't be there, but they can watch us here. Right now, my little granddaughter Marnie will be doing somersaults because she's seen Nonna and Papa. Happy Easter, sweetheart. I don't care about you guys, let's close in prayer. <laughs> um, we're working our way through uh, just Matthew 28 this morning and I brought some Easter eggs with me because we're going to try something a couple of times through the service. I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask questions for the kids. Children are aged under 40.
No, we might make it lower than that, eh? I've got about 10 here and I've got some more over there if I run out of these. So I think there's at least 10 kids. There could be more. There could be 20 kids here this morning. So when we get to the point, you need to be listening. And then I'm going to ask a question. Some of them are going to be easy and some are not so easy. Uh, But if you put your hand up, then you'll get to answer it. And then if it's correct, then you get an egg. If it's wrong, well, you don't. (coughs) Excuse me, that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, If you're sitting next to your mum and dad, then yes, they can help you. If they get it wrong, (laughs) then they owe you an Easter egg. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have freely as your family, part of your family here on earth, part of the family even is in heaven. And we're family, Lord, because of what Jesus has done. And on this day, the greatest day in history, um, our lives have been impacted and our eternal destinies changed. So help us today to think about this, to respond to something that's very familiar to us. And through it all, Lord, we pray that we'll hear you. Show us things we haven't seen before, remind us of things that we may have forgotten about. And I pray particularly for the kids, that you'll help them to listen and to learn and come to know Jesus personally. And everybody said... Amen. So, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, falls into three parts. Firstly, the women, then the guards, and then the church, bearing witness. And Matthew has structured it very easily. He's uh, come to the end of his Gospel, he's got a little bit left, and he wants to say some things. The four Gospels, obviously, all talk about the resurrection of Jesus, and they all do it differently. They all do it, they don't contradict each other, but sometimes you've got to read it very carefully. And by reading all four and putting them together, you'll come up with an amazing story. There are still some things we can't quite put together, where people have a slightly different view and so on, uh, but it is a thrilling exercise. The best book on this, I think I say this nearly every year, is Who Moved the Stone by a man called Frank Morrison. Who Moved the Stone is the name of the book. It's a classic. Been through about, I don't know, 20, 30 editions, reprints. Um, So that's what we're looking at this morning. Um, Both... Mark and Matthew are reasonably brief in what they say about the resurrection, just one chapter each. Mark, in fact, only has half a chapter and his gospel stops after eight verses, right mid-air. It's not the end of the story, but scholars debate whether Mark does that deliberately or whether the last page has fallen off. Let's stick with he did it deliberately and he's communicating something. The longest stories are in Luke and in John. And the order of the Gospels, as I understand it, is Mark, then Matthew, then Luke, and then John. And when you follow that order, that sequence, you'll also learn a few little things about what the other Gospel writers are saying, that Mark wrote that, so Matthew adds a bit, and then Luke writes something, and John adds something to that, just one little clue. In the Gospel of Luke, it says um, that when the women came back to the house to tell the disciples that Jesus... the uh, They'd seen the tomb and it was empty and an angel had spoken to them, but Jesus they had not seen. Um, uh, It says that Peter got up and ran to the tomb, got to the tomb, saw it was empty, saw it just as the women had said, and he went away wondering what was going on. Luke wrote that. And you get to the Gospel of John, which is about 20 years later, 20 or 30 years later, you have John correcting that. It wasn't Luke who ran to the tomb. It was John and Luke who ran to the tomb. 
And it wasn't just John, me, the author, who ran with Peter. I got there first. It's in the Gospel of John. And it's just, occasionally in the Gospels, there are these little humorous little anecdotes. There's one in this chapter. There's a couple in this chapter, but we'll come to it. I told the pastors at our meeting during the week of my funniest one that I just get the giggles about is in Luke 24. Um, the two guys are walking along the, the Emmaus Road and suddenly Jesus is beside them and they're depressed. It's getting towards the end of the Sunday. It's Sunday afternoon. And they're walking home to Emmaus and they're talking amongst themselves and suddenly, and it may have been a husband and a wife, um, suddenly Jesus appears beside them and he's walking but they didn't recognise him. And they're talking amongst themselves and Jesus says, what were you guys talking about on the way? Oh, we're talking about the things that happened to Jesus of Nazareth and in Jerusalem. Are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on? And Jesus says, what happened? <laughs> he just died on the cross, risen from the dead. What happened? And they tell him. Anyway, my sense of humour. Let's move into the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Matthew, whatever it is we're looking at this morning. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week... Oh, I'm sorry, you can't quite... Can you see that clearly? Okay. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who's the son of James and the son of Joseph, another Mary, uh, went to the tomb. Boys and girls, there were more than two women who went to the tomb. Matthew just chooses to tell us these two. Mary Magdalene is always mentioned. Uh, he also mentions this other Mary... But Luke will tell us that there was um, Joanna and Mark will tell us there was Salome and, and, and Luke will add, and others. That means at least five women or more went to the tomb, okay? But Matthew only tells us about two. Pay attention to that. All the Gospel writers tell us that this happened on the first day of the week, it happens after the Sabbath and it happens around dawn. John tells us it was dark when they got up to leave and of course you can imagine... You've, you've had this experience, I'm quite sure, that when you get stressed and anxious about something, you've got to do something the next day, you don't sleep well the night before. You know, you hear every sound that's going off and you can't get to sleep and you wake up and I'm sure that's what it was like for the women. They had a job that they had to do, which was to finish the burial, pro finish the burial process of Jesus. Um, so they had gone out and bought their spices and herbs and all their perfumes and ointments and put the mixture together and so they wake up. I'm not sure they're all staying in the same house, so they had to make some port of rendezvous and John tells us it was dark when they set out. And the other Gospel writers will tell us the sun was coming up and they'll say, like Matthew tells us, it was dawn. They timed their arrival so that it was at least light because they had to see what they were doing. Um, why were they going? To anoint the body of the Lord Jesus. Um, on the way, there was this violent earthquake different translations of different bible versions are great or severe or very powerful earthquake this is not a natural earthquake this is an earthquake which is caused supernaturally because an angel of the lord came down from heaven seen iron man the movie doesn't matter if you haven't or thor it's when one of these superheroes descends to the earth and lands on the earth and there's this sudden earthquake this trembling this shaking and quaking that's the picture you're to get this very powerful angel descends from heaven and it's kaboom. There was an earthquake the previous Friday when Jesus died. This is the second earthquake. 
and this is a very violent, powerful one, not a natural one, but a supernatural one. The angel lands, he walks over to the tomb, in front of the tomb, there are Roman soldiers. We don't know how many, but traditionally, it would have been something like 16. And they were the equivalent of about Rambo. They were trained commandos, they were assassins, they were soldiers. And they would have been on guard in shifts of four. So there'd be four on guard and the other 12 would be resting or cooking meals or whatever they were doing or playing cards. So the angel comes down, walks over to the tomb and the stone, is, Mark tells us, was very large. Commentators estimate that it's between one and two tons. And he grabs hold of the stone and he doesn't just roll it away from the entrance and leave it there. He lifts it up. And he takes it away from the tomb, or he throws it away from the tomb. Mark tells us the stone is away from the tomb, the entrance to the tomb. And then he goes over and he sits on it, which appeals to me. That's my sense of humour. And then what does he do? Matthew doesn't give us any more details, and Matthew's the only one who tells us about this angel. He sits on it, and who do you think he looked at? The guards. Didn't say anything, just looking. And what did they do? Well, the scripture goes on to tell us that, oh, well, before we get there, his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. Angels appear in our world all the time. You've probably been ministered to by angels. I think I have. There have been some occasions where I think, I think the angels just delivered me. I'll tell you one very quick instance. And I could be wrong, but I choose to believe this to be true. I was driving a car once and this other car came out of nowhere and was going to hit me and I just braced for it. I closed my eyes and I just braced for the impact and the guy missed me by, I don't know, a millimetre. And I reckon that was an angel ministering to me. I think I, in fact, I have four angels, one on each corner of the car when I drive. <laughs> so does Pastor Charlie. <laughs> His appearance was like nightmare, clothes were as white as snow. When the angels turn up in our world, sometimes they look like that in all of their brilliance. They don't always turn up like that. Sometimes they turn up and they look very normal, they look very human, they look very ordinary. And you can't tell if it's an angel or not. And there are lots of stories throughout history and throughout the scriptures just like that. Well, this angel deliberately turns up into this resplendent glory, radiant from the presence of God in heaven, because he's trying to communicate something. He's trying to get rid of the guards, but also to communicate something to the women when they come. The guards were so afraid of him that, like the earth, they started to tremble. Adrenaline kicks in when you get a fright and, and glucose gets released to your muscles and you start shaking because you're trying to warm your muscles up because you're trying to figure out, am I going to fight or am I going to flee? We all have that natural automatic response to situations like this. Well, these guys started trembling and then they passed out, fainted. Now, I always thought they fainted for, you know, quite a while. During this week, I started thinking about it, and I thought, maybe they only passed out for a couple of minutes. The women are not there yet. The women are on their way. And I'm not sure how far it would be from the upper room in Jerusalem to the tomb outside the city, but I'm guessing 15, 20 minutes, something like that. Um, so you're not talking about a lot of time. The women on the way feel the earthquake, because when the women get there, in all of the Gospels, the guards are not mentioned. Which means, I think, I'm guessing, 
that they passed out for a few minutes. When they came to, the angel's still sitting there on the stone, probably looking at them. And they get up and they flee in all directions. I don't think they run a long way because they're trained assassins and it would be the death penalty for the guards if they leave their post. That was the rules. It was they had to defend to the death the job that they were given. For them to abandon their post would have meant the death penalty for them. So I think what they did is they fled, but they fled into the bushes. They, they fled and hid somewhere in the garden and they're probably watching. Do I know that for sure? No, that's just my imagination of how I put it together. And I think they're watching when the women come. And I'll come back to that in just a moment. So they were so afraid they fled. The women then arrive and the guards have gone. And the angel says emphatically to the women, don't you be afraid. He doesn't say that to the guards. What does he say to the guards? Boo. <laughs> doesn't say anything to the guards. But to the women, don't you. You have, you have no reason to be afraid. I'm not here to frighten you. I'm here to give you a message, angels and messengers. Don't be afraid. I know why you're here. I know you're looking for Jesus. He knows that he was crucified. And then he goes on to say to the women, he is not here, he is risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where they lay him. It's outside the tomb when he meets the women. And he invites them, come inside the tomb, come and have a look. Come and have a look at what he said was going to happen. And compare what you heard him say to what you can now see. Come see the place where he lay. And then the angel, I think, takes them inside. And he says to them, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. I wonder how the women felt. Come and see. Come and have a look. Come nearer. Examine. The witness of women in the first century is offensive to our ears, the way the ancient world treated women. Women were, their witness was not credible in a court of law. In fact, that's what it states in Roman law, that they are not to be trusted. Women are gullible, they are naive, they are easily misled. And yet Jesus chooses deliberately to appear first to women. It's remarkable. And that's why it's going to go on and tell us, I'll have to come back to verse 7, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. Why were the women afraid? I think they were afraid because of, they knew the culture in which they lived, that they would have been looked down upon. Women were not greatly respected. They're going to think we're going crazy. They think we're lying. They're going to think we want attention. They're going to think all sorts of things. And in fact, the women were right. When they get back to the upper room and they tell the disciples that he's risen from the dead, we've seen an angel, and they went, nonsense. Luke 24, verse 11. The words seem to them like nonsense. Dead people don't live. That's true, isn't it? It's what we believe. When people die, they're dead. They're gone. Well, they believe the same thing. So these guys are not expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. This is completely new for them. Even though Jesus had told them about a dozen times, it didn't, the penny didn't drop. They didn't understand it. And so therefore, when it happened, they were unbelieving. And there are three times in the Gospels we are told that they, didn't, they doubted or they didn't believe. And so the women, you can understand, are afraid. And yet, 
just thrilled that they've met an angel, that would be exciting, and the tomb is empty. Let's go back to this one. The angel says, now go quickly. So he's inside the tomb. It's time to leave. Don't stay here. Go. Find his disciples and tell them he's risen and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. He doesn't say, no, I'll save that for the next one. There you will see him. Then the angel finishes the message by saying, and this intrigued me during the week, now I have told you. Now I've told you. What does he mean by that? I think he means, I've finished my job. Remember that I told you. Mark the words that I gave you. Now, you, it's your responsibility to carry that message to the disciples. My job's done. I was sent to tell you, I've told you, my job's done, now you pass it on. Which is exactly where Matthew 28 will take us and the New Testament. That God tells us something that we have responsibility to pass on to the next generation and so on. Now I have told you. So the women left they're hurrying away, they're running away, they're doing what they were told, they're obedient to the Lord Jesus. And then suddenly, when the women leave the tomb and they're going on the way, suddenly, Jesus meets them. What does Jesus say to them? When Jesus meets them on the Sunday morning, he was dead, he was buried, they've seen the empty tomb and they've seen the grave clothes, and suddenly Jesus is standing there in front of you. And what does he say? Morning. Hi. It gets spoiled a bit for us in our English translations. Greetings. That sounds a little more formal, doesn't it? The original language is not that. The original language is just, g'day. You know, what's new? <laughs> what's happening? So as soon as he spoke to them, they ran to him, they, grabbed, they knelt and they grabbed his feet and it says they worshipped him. They certainly loved him, they're submitting to him and so on and demonstrating his love, their love and care for him. G'day. Morning. Mary will do the same thing in the garden when Jesus meets with her, which I think probably happens after this. But like I said, the order can get mixed up. Then Jesus says exactly the same thing the angel, the angel had said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what other people are going to say about you. Don't be worried about that. And in fact, in Luke chapter 24, when the women go and they tell the men, the disciples, and they say, oh, this is nonsense, dead people don't rise. When Jesus appears that night in the upper room, he says to the disciples, you fools, how slow of heart to believe what the women had said to you. Jesus is saying, the women aren't the fools here, it's the men, the ones who are not believing, the evidence that's in front of them. Don't be afraid, go and tell my brothers the angel had said, go and tell his disciples, that's fair enough. When the Lord Jesus says it, go and tell my brothers, they're part of my family. Please note, Jesus did not say to them, go and tell those coward, no good for nothing losers, I want to see them in Galilee and I've got something I want to say to them. Didn't say that. Go and tell my brothers, go to Galilee, to a mountain that we don't, haven't been given that revelation. Okay, questions for kids. And if the kids don't know, then mum and dads can help. Or if you're a senior citizen and you really want a chocolate, you can put your hand up too. <laughs> Question one. What happened on Sunday morning when the angel descended? What happened on Sunday morning when the angel descended? Mm. 
No. He'd already risen before the angel descended. Hang in there. Down the back. Sorry? What did she say? Catch. You better come and get it. Um, how many women went to the tomb on Sunday morning? Don't call out. At least five. Good man. Come and get it. Who moved the stone? Correct. Um, what did the angel say to the guards? Nothing. What did the angel say to the women? Shush. <laughs> angel wouldn't say that. Righto. Let's go down the back. We've got one, two, three, four down there and five here. So there are five things that the angel said. So give me one. Correct. Come and get an egg. Two? Or are you going to say the same thing? He said other things. Don't be afraid. He has risen. He said that. He also said, go and tell the disciples. Yep. We're running out of eggs, Mrs. Evans. And anybody else? What else did the, uh, the angel say to them? Go tell the brothers he is risen. There's one other thing that I can think of. Maybe there's two, but there's at least one. Oh, there's two. That's correct. Now I have told you. No, stay there. I can hit you on the head with this. <laughs> and he also said, he is not, he is not here. He has risen. Um, what did Jesus say when the women saw him? What did Jesus say? The women are running. Suddenly Jesus appears in front of them. And Jesus said, who hasn't had a question? I'll go right at the back and then in front. Yep. What did he say? Greetings, that's true. Morning, g'day, hi. Something very normal and ordinary. Last question for this section. Do angels always look like angels? Do angels always look like that? No. No, him. Oh. You come and get one too. It's what happens when you're a grandparent. Can't say no to kids. Good boy. Good man. Righto, moving on. That was fun, wasn't it? Guards report. While the women were on their way, now see, this is why I think the guards were still there but hidden, or at least some of them. While the women were on their way to go to the disciples, some of the guard, not all of them, some of the guard, went into the city and they reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. They didn't go to their commanders, which is what they should have done. They went to the chief priests, the ones who had arranged for all of this because they're obviously scared and they told them everything that had happened if you think that through 
what are the things that they would testify that had happened? There was an, an earthquake, an angel, the stone rolled away. He sat on it. We passed out. The body's gone. And they may even have said, and some women came and they went inside the tomb. Yada, yada, yada. So what did the chief priests do? They met with the elders. They called a formal gathering of the Sanhedrin and they devised a plan. They already had a plan, plan A, but that failed. If you read Matthew 27, the chapter before, they had come to Pilate on the Saturday, on the Sabbath, and they'd arranged for a guard and they sealed the tomb and they said, in case his disciples come at night and will come and steal him and the next lie will be worse than the first. That was plan A. They expected this could happen. Well, that failed because something else more dramatically happened. The angel came and Jesus actually did rise from the dead. So they came up with plan B. Part of that plan was, don't mention the angel, here is a very large sum of money. They bribed them. And what we want you to do is we want you to say, we want you to report the disciples came during the night and they stole him away while we were asleep. If this this report gets to the governor, then we will protect you. We will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Um, And Matthew will go on to say, so the soldiers took the money. Um, They did as they were instructed. They tell a false report because they've got the money. Uh, And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. In fact... In the second century, you know, Justin Martyr still refers to this. This is very commonly believed among the Jewish people. And there are people today who still believe that. They still believe the disciples came at night and stole him away. We do this nearly every year. (coughs) Excuse me. If you were in a court of law and you heard that report, so when did the disciples come? At night. Why didn't you stop them? Oh, we were asleep. If you were asleep, how do you know it was the disciples? Uh, We were told to say so. Who told you? Chief priests and the elders. Now what Matthew has done in his gospel, he's taken the witness and testimony of the angel and the women and has placed it alongside the, the testimony and the false report of the guards and the chief priests. Now put yourself in the first century. Women are not credible, they're not believed. Angels are supernatural, and so some people wouldn't believe that. And Matthew deliberately puts these two stories together. Now you decide, who are you going to believe? The women and the angels? Or the chief priests and the guards? Those in authority. It's very cleverly done, isn't it? The way Matthew has structured his gospel. And he's done it for us also, so that we have to decide. The soldiers took the money, spread the rumours... And people have been doing that ever since. Back in the 1930s, there were books written that the the women went to the wrong tomb. So when the angel is there, he says, oh, he's not here. Come and I'll show you the place where he is, where he lay. Our whole book is written about that. And the only way you get these theories is you leave out half the facts. Um, I don't want to go into any details on these. We've done that over the years. Probably the most famous is called The Passover Plot, written in the 1960s, sold over 100,000 copies in a month and it basically says that Jesus has orchestrated the whole thing (coughs) that on the cross he would be given a drug which would make him go into a coma which he would look and feel like he was dead we take him down from the cross they'd wrap him up put him in a tomb 
pretending that he was dead, but in fact, in the cool of the tomb, he would revive and then he would come out of the tomb and appear as the Lord of Life, Passover plot, the swoon theory. It all fell apart because the soldiers came and they stuck a spear on his side and in fact, Jesus did die. That's that theory. And he could, so many holes in it, you could drive a truck through it. Then there's hallucinations and so on and so on. And I don't want to talk about any of those, except Matthew gives us this one, that the guards went around with this false report. So there are false reports today. You, what you need to do is look at the evidence carefully, just like the angel said to the women, come and see. Some people need to do that. You need to come and you need to consider the evidence and consider it fairly and objectively. Not everybody who considers it believes, but it's remarkable how many lawyers who have done that, who have turned to the, the material, the evidence, and have cross-examined it from their profession and through the process have become convinced beyond reasonable doubt that in fact it happened just as the Gospels record. Frank Morrison was one such lawyer who did that. So I do what the angel says to the women, come and see. When you discover, go and tell. Come and see, go and tell. All right, boys and girls, last, last lot of questions. Who did the guards go to tell what happened? Who did the guards go to tell what happened? They didn't go to their commanders, they went to the ring of the kids. Chief priest, can you catch? No. Can I throw? Don't be rude. Why did the guards spread a false report? Why did the guards go around telling lies? Why? Yep. Because they were paid, they were bribed for it. Oops, sorry. Ah. If it's broken, sweetheart, I'll give you another one. Is it broken? Sure. Um, what would have happened to the guards for leaving their post? They would have been put to death. Do people still, do people still believe it today that the guards came and that the disciples came at night and took it? Do people still believe that today? Of course they do. <laughs> I'll give you another one for your enthusiasm. <clears throat> If the guards were in a court of law and you had to ask them one question, what would the one question be? Might be too hard. Way down the back. I can't hear a word, sweetie, I'm nearly deaf. It's not the right answer. Mum's saying no. <coughs> ah. Correct. That's close enough, isn't it? Can you see with your eyes open? Well, the answer is yes, but can you see with your eyes closed? Well done. No, that'll do. The women, the guards, Matthew ends with the church. The disciples... What have I done? That's the wrong verse. That's not verse 16. So the disciples went to Galilee as they were in and they met Jesus. And then it says, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Don't be disturbed by that, but rather be encouraged by that statement. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Those who recognised him. 
But some people, even of the early disciples, I think this is the appearance of the 500. That's my opinion. But you've got 500 people seeing Jesus, and amongst that, they hadn't seen him before. For the first time, they're seeing him in Galilee, on the mountain where Jesus had said to meet. And when they saw him, they went, is that really him? Dead people don't live. That can't be right. The very fact that it records it, and we're told three times in the Gospels of them having doubts, um, it, record, it, it points to the honesty of the record. That the Gospel writers are not trying to pull the wool over your eyes, they're trying to be factual and accurate. Some people doubt it. And you know the famous, most famous doubter of all, Thomas. And then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we've spoken about this a lot. Jesus is now in charge. All authority in heaven is in charge of everything in heaven. He's God. He's God the Son. And on earth is given to him. Therefore, he's given us a commission. Just like the angel told the women, so now Jesus is telling all of us, not just the women, but the disciples, all of us, go and make disciples of all nations. There's only one command and that is to make disciples. And then we are to do these things, to baptise them and we are to teach them. In fact, we are to teach them everything that Jesus taught us and teach them to obey. So not just give information but also application and motivation to obey everything, just as I commanded you. And then the wonderful promise, and surely I am with you always, spiritually in this life and then forever into the age to come. So, what's your choice? What's your response? Do you believe the women and the angels? Or do you believe the authorities? W.E. Sangster was a preacher back after World War II, an English guy who wrote several books on preaching. And when I was at theological college, my homiletics teacher uh, had us read some of his material. And I read a few of W.E. Sangster's books. Very gifted preacher and a very gifted author who later in life got a debilitating disease where he was suffering paralysis to different parts, of his, different parts of his body until eventually on one Easter Sunday he was paralysed in his throat. He had no voice. He wrote a note to his daughter and the note read, how horrible on Easter Sunday to have no voice and not be able to shout, he is risen. But how worse it is to have a voice and to not want to say, he is risen. You have a voice. Come and see. Go and tell. Make up your mind and live out accordingly. There was an Egyptian Muslim who converted from Islam to Christianity and his Muslim friends came to him and they were quite distressed and they were asking him questions. Why did you convert from Islam to Christianity? He said, why? He said, imagine you're walking down the road and you come to a fork in the road and at the fork in the road, there are two people. One's dead, one's alive. Which one do you ask for directions? It's very true, isn't it? Jesus is alive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the difference this day has made. For the light and the truth that has come into our world. We thank you for the hope of new life, unending life. And we thank you that on this morning, this Easter Sunday, the angel rolled the stone away. That though Jesus was beaten, crucified, died and was buried, and his tomb was sealed and guarded. Father, whatever the worst was that we could do to him, it doesn't hinder you. And it appears there's nothing in your sight. You decide what's to be done and you fulfill your purposes. 
Father, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have been born again into a living hope and to an inheritance that is reserved for us. Because of the resurrection, death for us has lost its sting and we live in the hope of this new life beyond this one. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, Lord, Jesus is true. And all that he said and did has been vindicated. And that the cross worked. That our sins have been paid for. And that we can be forgiven and set free. Father, this morning I want to pray for loved ones who don't believe. Pray that you would have mercy on them. That you would bring them to resurrection life when they consider the evidence. When they experience the presence of Jesus. You've declared that that's your will, that you don't want anyone to perish. So, Lord, we pray for your will to be done. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.